0: Martin I'm on the road by the way I'm on the road I'm at the uh, Our Lady of Consolation Monastery Florida I am uh, at the super secret bunker location with brother Martin and others here as well and today we're gonna be talking about finding your vocation and understanding whether or not you have a vocation to the religious life so thanks for getting started Uh, for those who are watching live and uh, I apologize for the setup here. This is the best I could do on the road. Um, we're going to take your questions. We're going to have a live Q&A event. In fact, i got to pull up the questions right now so that I can see it. Yes, uh, Eli. Oh, wow. It is in person. Okay. We are doing it in person. We're Eli. here. <laughs> <laughs> so um, let's, let's get started. First of all, Brother Martin, it's strange that we don't have monasteries, really, in the United States, right? I mean, it, within the within the, the scope of history of the church and of Christendom, we have no monasteries.
1: Yeah. Well,
2: they, they basically grew out of uh, St. Anthony of the Desert, uh, hearing the gospel, go, sell all your things, and get to the poor, and then come follow me. Um, him being very inspired by, um, by what our Lord said, and, and literally going out into a cave in Egypt Mm -hmm. um, to to pray. Um, Out of that, uh, St. Augustine uh, took that as an example, uh, formed his rule of life, um, one of the earliest rules in the existence of the church, uh, created a little community for himself, and of course he was, in a sense, pulled out of that in order to become a priest and then after that a bishop. Um, But the rule of life persevered. Um, It's said that St. Benedict had a copy of the rule of St. Augustine in front of him when he wrote his Mm-hmm. Uh, Saint, the Rule of Saint Augustine is only eight chapters. The Rule of Saint Benedict is like fifty plus. Um, but uh, in the Middle Ages, you, ha- you had Benedict monasteries everywhere, forming great men. Um, there was a lot of great popes that came from the monastery at Cluny, mm-hmm. um, and they and monasteries helped uh, create Christendom.
0: Uh, they're saying it's hard to hear you, brother. So I don't know if there's a way to turn you up or uh fix your microphone i assume you guys can hear me which you don't you're actually not tuning in to hear me Uh, so we're going to fix brothers can you hear me now audio um so what what you may have heard brother just say is that the rule of saint augustine predates the rule of saint
2: benedict by a lot about a hundred years hundred or so years
0: um and it's it's much more simple yes than the rule of saint august than the rule of saint benedict yeah
2: about only eight chapters whereas the rule of Saint Benedict is fifty plus
0: interesting interesting um, okay so I want to get right into it brother if you don't mind um, this video should should sort of be viewed as a how to in terms of how to discern your potential vocation to the religious life if you have one um, so for the for the young men especially who are watching right now what's your first piece of advice as to whether or
2: not you think you do have a vocation the first piece of advice i would give was one: your everyone's vocation is to be a saint is to be holy
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, when i was in college and i was told that i had to discern my vocation i had to figure out whether i was called to mar- marriage or priesthood religious like all the all this mix um, uh... <laughs> sorry background noise exactly um i I was very confused and 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 i was nervous i was overwhelmed um i was i was stressed um and so one day it kind of dawned on me that my real vocation is to become a saint is to get to heaven and so that was the first place i started was listen i have these vices that i have to overcome yeah um and i'm not going to be free to say yes to god's will whatever they may be if i'm attached to certain uh Ideas of how I see myself or certain sins or or whatever else Um, So that's that's really where I started and that's where I would tell anybody who is discerning their vocation where to start is is With the Gospels Uh, live the Christian life Uh, Be serious about it be intentional about our prayer life Um, Go to bed at a good time Uh, wake up at a certain time uh, on the, on the dots, get your mm-hmm. prayers done before going to work or going to school, all that kind of stuff, say your daily rosary, go to Mass as often as you can.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, but this is just building a good Christian life in, in general for whatever your vocation may, may be. Uh, a- after that, uh, a vocation is really a, a movement in one's heart to, to give your life for others. Uh, and so I started asking myself, um, why do I feel drawn to a particular way of life? I asked mm-hmm. myself marriage, why do I feel drawn to this life? religious life, why do I feel uh, drawn to this life? What's good about it? Mm-hmm. Obviously, both, both of them are means to heaven. Both of them get you there. Um, but I started asking myself, what are my reasons for choosing this? And it was, this became very subjective. I know the church teaches objectively the religious state, um, all, all this stuff. Um, but that question has already been answered. I don't need to discern that question. Mm-hmm. Like my question is, what, specifically, what is God asking me to do? What, 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 is, what is his intention for my life? How does he intend to get me to heaven? Do you
0: feel like you had an advantage because you have discovered your vocation early in life? And what would you say to guys, and I'm seeing in the chat right now, who have discovered their vocations later in life or maybe are called later in life? um, Talk about the the time of being, uh, you know, an early 20-year-old man versus a 30-year-old man versus a 40-year-old man and who, in fact, God would call.
2: God calls anybody at all different ages. Um, some monasteries are open to, to receiving men who are, are widowers,
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, all that kind of stuff. Um, o- other men, there, there's some men who, uh, actually there's one that I know that remains single his whole life, took care of his dying parents, his, his sick and dying parents.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: they've since passed and he's looking now to enter uh, a different monastery. Um, so God calls at any time uh, in our lives. As far as the age concern, I mean, some some monasteries put up a, a, an age limit only because, uh, I mean, at a certain point in life, you you're you're set in your ways more or less. Um, so for those that are a little bit older, I, I would, uh, as well as practicing virtue, uh, practice renouncing certain things uh, that you're used to, uh, whether they be recreational things like uh, watching TV at a, at a certain hour, or watching mm-hmm. your favorite show. Um, maybe start replacing those with with some spiritual reading instead or if you're used to taking vacations every weekend with some friends, maybe renounce some of those and, and instead of visit a monastery, go on a retreat. Uh, something to start detaching yourself from, uh, I don't want to put it in a negative way, a, a bachelor way of life, mm-hmm. uh, but start taking your, uh, yourself little by little away from those things and start doing things that you would uh, in a monastery.
0: And, and you've described living a more intentional spiritual life where you essentially start living out some of the rule, in your in your home life you wake at a certain time you you pray at a certain time you retire at a certain time how difficult is that for people to put into practice in the 21st century when you've got your phone vibrating in your pocket <laughs> all the time and you've got uh, all the
2: temptations of social media etc yeah I mean it's just it's, it's an act of the will really yeah. uh, maybe know, turning your phone off if that's an option or uh, just You know, saying 10 o'clock, grand silence. Um, I don't look at my phone past 10 o'clock unless it's an emergency. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I mean, it does take uh, self-discipline. Because, I mean, also in the monastery, you're you're not really going to have, if you're allowed your cell phone or whatever, you're not going to have someone constantly behind your back watching, you know, what you're doing. You have to have this self-discipline yourself, Mm -hmm. Um, depending on the monastery you're in. Can you explain
0: the difference between, you know, a monk versus a friar, a r- religious life versus uh, diocesan life, uh, being a brother versus being a priest? Who would be a brother? Who should be a priest? This is
2: this is a lot. That's, that's a, a loaded question. That's a loaded <laughs> lot of question. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, I'll, I'll put it to you this way. Start with monks and friars, in, okay. s- in a sense. First first of all, religious life, in and of itself, is a lay movement. It is a lay movement. It was St. Benedict, a layman, who, who went out and started uh, the Order of St. Benedict. It was St. Anthony of the Desert, who was a layman, and went off and started praying in a monastery. It was St. Augustine, as a layman, who started his own monastery. It was uh, St. Francis of Assisi, a layman, who started the, or, the Order of uh, Friars Minor. Uh, religious life, monastic life, is a lay movement to which clergy may belong. Um, and so I guess that's kind of uh, first and foremost what's different between, I guess, religious life and even diocesan priesthood is, of course, when you enter a diocesan seminary, your intention okay. is to become a priest. You're a cleric. When, when Whenever you enter religious life, a lot of a lot of religious communities say you're not supposed to be discerning the priesthood right now in the novitiate. You're supposed to be discerning religious life and this community. Once you pass through the novitiate, then we'll start talking about whether or not you're called to be a priest.
1: Uh-huh.
2: Uh, so you, you first enter to be a brother. Um, actually, I think there's there's some monasteries that even... Uh, they. They're the ones that tell you whether or not you're going to be a priest. There's hardly any discernment on your part. Uh, It's like, you're going to be a priest, you're just going to be a brother. Uh, Just. Uh, But, I mean, the essence of religious life is is to consecrate oneself and all of one's actions to God. Um, It's not necessarily uh, a sacramental ministry. Uh, But when one consecrates themselves, they, of course, set themselves apart. We know that definition. But it makes every single act that they do an act of religion. Uh, therefore, meriting also additional graces, not only for themselves, but for for those, uh, for the whole world. Especially, I mean, a lot of us offer our our sacrifice, daily sacrifices for our benefactors to make this life possible mm-hmm. uh, for us. And so, it it merits graces for for families out in the world uh, to live their state in life.
0: So, I think that that's going to be a revolutionary way of looking at it when you say that it's it's a lay started, lay led, to which. Um, as you said clerics can be drawn there are lots and of different orders out there maybe too many for us to name (laughs) could you give an overview just about some of the major orders so people can just get a sense of uh, kind of what what they're about and what their historical
2: charisms were so I guess the the orders that were founded in the Middle Ages and before their charisms are really the, their, their rule of life. So almost for every, every religious community you have an, a different rule of life. For the Order of Saint Benedict, you had a rule of life for him. Uh, for the different Augustinian monasteries because they were own their own little groups. Um, that they had their rule of life and they had their, their apostolic ministry or whatever. Um, but once we get to the Middle Ages, then we, we see things popping up like the Cistercians, which really just wanted to, to live the Order of Saint Benedict more faithfully. Um, a, a stricter lifestyle, str- stricter penance. And so that's what kind of differentiated them, the Cistercians, from uh, the Order of St. Benedict, although they follow the same rule and they're part of the Benedictine family. Mm-hmm. When we get to the Middle Ages, uh, we see the, the rise of the Order of the Friars Minor and, and the Order of Preachers. Um, the Order of Friars Minor, St. Francis, he wrote his own rule. He wanted to live a very penitential lifestyle as well, but also do apostolic ministry. So the, the existing orders, the Cistercians, the, the Benedictines, they didn't, they didn't fit for him. Um, and So he had a different apostolic idea to go out and preach. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean walking out barefoot, all that kind of stuff, uh, not only common property as the other uh, monasteries did. They owned common property. Uh, the order of preachers, uh, St. Dominic was actually an Augustinian canon, but then took the rule of St. Augustine, but then ab- added a, a particular mission to it, which was to go out and preach against the Albigensian heresy. Uh, so he took a rule that was already in existence, uh, which is actually something that so many people have done. The rule of St. Augustine is the most widely used rule in, in the church today mm-hmm. uh, because it's so malleable. You can it, It's a rule of life. It, it, it provides a framework uh, for for the in-house rules, the monastery, all that kind of stuff. But then you could also put a particular mission on top of that as well. Like the Mercedarians also use the the rule of St. Augustine. The Augustinians use the rule of St. Augustine. Uh, There's so many different communities that use as a base, as a foundation, the rule of St. Augustine.
0: If you're a young man who's drawn to the patrimony and tradition of the church now, and you're in the sound of our voice, so probably North America or um, English-speaking, world Australia and Ireland Um, what are your options in terms of joining a religious life that holds fast to the tradition and rejects the uh, novelties of of
2: the council so uh, options are very limited uh, in two different ways one is the majority of these orders that are in existence that still have the traditional mass and hold fast to tradition most of them are only allowed to be contemplatives uh, for instance, what comes to mind, I, I know there's a Benedictine Monastery in Australia. There's Clear Creek Abbey uh, in Oklahoma, in the United States. They use a the traditional Latin mass. There's Silver Stream um, in Ireland, basically one per country in different parts of the world. But also the uh, the Fraternity of the Most Holy Redeemer. Um, I know they're, in, they're in Scotland. They have their own little island. Mm-hmm. Um, Papa Stranzi. Exactly. They, they, they were founded, I mean, the... St- Alfonso's Liguori founded a missionary order to go out and do missions. Uh, but this, this monastery is very, very contemplative. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you have a contemplative vocation, you have more options. Uh, if you don't have a contemplative vocation, you're in a bit, a bit of trouble, uh, like myself. <laughs> um, because there's not really a, a Franciscan community, an Augustinian community, uh, a Dominican community um, that has been thus far allowed to, to, to use tradition. The, the Franciscans of the Immaculate tried, uh, they ran into a lot of trouble. I know some other communities that have been suppressed, Uh, some have not been allowed to ordain priests, Mm -hmm. Um, and so if you have a more apostolic uh, vocation, you either uh, the Fraternity of St. Peter or the Institute of Christ the King, which is and basically, being a parish priest, so there's there's nothing in the middle.
0: And it would be it would be inappropriate to describe either the Institute of Christ the King Sovereign Priest or the Fraternity of Saint Peter or the Society of Saint Pius the Tenth; those would not be accurately described as orders.
2: No, uh, for two for two different ways. Like I mean, the, the main way is is that they're not religious life per se. Mm-hmm. They're they're societies of apostolic life. They don't take vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience in the in the religious life sense and as the evangelical councils. Now their, their constitution uh, might require them to have, you know, have little spending money, of course, you know, uh, celibacy, um, and then of course being obedient to your superior, but it's not a consecration as I was speaking about earlier in the religious sense where um, it, it, it's it's leaving everything and following Christ. It's, it's more about the, the, the ministry, the sacramental ministry of the priesthood.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm
0: and can you talk a little bit about um just sort of individual men becoming brothers by just living the rule taking the habit um you know there's there are a couple examples of that even today there's one you were telling me about in a cc there's a man who just wears the habit and and lives the the rule according to saint francis there's mm-hmm. There's another uh, Franciscan brother uh, that we both know in Rome, (laughs) and uh, he he's a prolific uh, writer and uh, tweeter. (laughs) Um, But but what about that? Can you help us? Can you help us understand why that's okay and has always been that way
2: in church history? Yeah, I mean, like I was explaining earlier, how uh, religious life is a lay movement to which clergy may belong. When, when Christ said, uh, go so all, to the rich young man, go, so all that you have and give to the poor, uh, and you'll have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. Uh, he didn't put any other stipulation on it than, than just that. The, the essence, the purpose, um, is to lay down your life for Christ.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and so there really isn't, um, like brother, for instance, is not, not a canonical term. It's not like priestly ordination where you're, you're given an office. Brother isn't an office. It's simply something, I mean, it's a religious term, you know, my brother in Christ, uh, that you call someone who has dedicated you know, their heart and their life uh, to preaching the gospel, not only in word, but also by deed, by renouncing their possessions, um, by also living, you know, a, a chaste and celibate life uh, and being obedient to a constitution or a rule of life that uh, sets your sets your standards.
0: Okay, so, so I, theoretically I could become a brother. Well, you're married, Mike. Okay, so I
2: can't. <laughs> um, I, I guess the, theoretically, I guess you're right because it's not really reduced. Uh, the, the term is not a canonical term, like you. But have you,
0: to, you, haven't received the title of brother from a priest or a bishop. There was not. Was was there any some some rites that you went through or something?
2: In my previous religion, uh, religious communities, I have. Okay. Uh, I've been in two different religious communities. So okay. I, I have. I've done my canonical year. Mm-hmm. Um, actually if if uh, just a random layperson wanted wanted to start a religious community, the bishop would first require them to enter another religious community just for the no bishop and once he he fulfilled the no bishop then he can start his community mm-hmm. uh me i 've already had that canonical year so i don 't need to to go visit mm-hmm. another community um, but but as far as taking the title it 's like yeah there, there 's no there 's no canon that says do this 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 and officially you there, were, there were, you have to uh yeah be confer the title of brother. It's just actually, in the novices, when you start uh, being called brother, when, before you have vows, before you actually belong to the, to the religious community, uh-huh. uh, before they take responsibility for you, a lot of them, the, the novices, their families, still have to support them financially. There have been people out there who are confused about
0: uh, your situation mm-hmm. uh, because they seem to believe, and this is even, this is even ordained priests that are mm-hmm. out there, who don't understand that you, as a brother, uh, it, you, you
2: don't really need the permission of some local ordinary to be a brother. Of course not. Can you explain that? Sure. Actually, I'll use the example of the first community that I entered. Um, I entered a community called the Apostles of the Interior Life, which are a, a public association of the faithful in the mm-hmm. Archdiocese of Kansas City, Kansas. Um, when I entered them, it was 2012. However, I had met them in 2011, Um, There were five brothers, recently ordained. Uh, They actually started living together and studying in 2007. Started going by the name, the Apostles of the Interior Life, studying at the Pontifical Lateran University in Rome. Um, And from 2007 to 2012, um, they lived together going by this name. Mm. However, in 2010, uh, four out of the five were ordained priest, um, or four out of the five were ordained deacon. In the following year, the four were ordained priest, and then the other one, deacon, in 2012, the last, the deacon was ordained priest. Uh, but it was only after they were ordained uh, that the bishop, who had been calling them the apostles of the interior life um, since he, he, he had met them, uh, actually erected them, gave them canonical status uh, as, as a community. Uh, so in terms of, of me and my communities, this is the natural birthing process of, of, of communities where one just starts living the life. Uh, Because when I go to a bishop and when someone goes to a bishop, they have to prove certain things. One is viability. Two is that the church, they have a unique charism and a a community like this doesn't exist already. Um, So the second one is is very easy. It's it's paperwork. You you write your charism, you write your rule of life, your constitutions, all that kind of stuff. Paperwork done. Mm
1: -hmm. But the other
2: is is viability and this is something that the bishops pay attention to. How many members do you have? How many benefactors do you have? Because the bishop is not going to support you financially.
0: Right. So you can't just start an order uh, thinking that your diocese is going to kick some cash into it and and get you uh,
2: a monastery. Exactly. (laughs) And then what what, what benefactors are going to give you large chunks of money to get a monastery if you can't write a tax receipt. Mm -hmm. And so one of the first things you have to do is found a nonprofit organization, a legal nonprofit organization, to then be able to provide your benefactors um, with these tax receipts. And so of course with that you need an address and all this other kind of stuff and you know a lawyer to help you do all the paperwork and all that kind of stuff. So that's that's kind of the first step is to found the nonprofit, start living the life, um, and you go from there.
0: Now the the levels of of an order, it starts out as a association of the faithful or does it st- or there's or is there a level
2: that's beneath that? So I guess there's there's two of the same level. One is private for those that are non priests, private, public private association of the Christian faithful. Uh-huh. The second is public association of the Christian faithful. Now, the only the only reason you ask for these things is, or for these uh, status is to gain the protection. And primarily, I mean, the bishop just wants to look at your finances. But the problem is if you have no finances, what is it to look at? <laughs> you know? Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, so, I mean, you get to that level once you, once you need the protection of the law and the church needs to start regulating, uh, yeah. you know, your way of life, all that kind of stuff, um, your finances.
0: Uh, we're getting some questions. Uh, we're getting some questions in the chat, uh, Linnea, Well, sorry, Linnea, I'm a one man show here. I'm controlling the show and reading your comments at the same time. So deal with it. <laughs>
1: um,
0: uh, let's see, Eli. There's some discussion about the Jesuits. You, you, <laughs> you mentioned the Franciscans. Yeah. You mentioned uh, the Dominicans. You mentioned the Benedictines. Uh, what, about, what about the Jesuits?
2: Um, well, what about them? <laughs> um, they're, they're unique in the sense that they, they arose around the time of the medieval orders uh-huh. kind of in the 15th century. Uh, well, to combat Protestantism. Yeah. Um, but they were unique in the sense that they don't, they don't have any common prayer. They don't have any common life. And that's what kind of sets them apart from the Benedictines, uh, the Franciscans, the the Dominicans, that they all get together and pray the divine office together in choir.
1: Yeah. But
2: actually, uh, for the Jesuits, they don't do that because it would affect their apostolic mission. Um, Of course, St. Francis Xavier, you know, went off to Japan and all that kind of stuff and did his work solo, um, which is kind of, it's the freedom that their constitution allows their their members to to do. Um, And so, in one sense, they were... I, I like to say that there was the first idea of a society of apostolic life, even though that at that time the society of apostolic life didn't exist. Um, but yeah, there, I mean, there's 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 some differences there in terms of uh, what the common life looks like, what the fraternal life looks like, in the Jesuits that didn't exist with any other community during that time.
0: I, I want to go back to just the idea of the the stages of progression, and maybe talk about uh, the oblates for a minute. So it's, uh, I thought I had read recently that now even bishops don't have the authority to invest a new order like your order, that everything has to go through Rome now as a result of a moda proprio written by Pope Francis. It, does that apply to you?
2: Yes. Um, in a sense, there's, there's a big difference um, between a public association of the faithful and a religious institute of diocesan right, which is what you have to have the pope's permission to become a, a religious institute of diocesan right. Okay. The big difference is that a public association of the faithful can be suppressed immediately without any explanation by the local bishop. Done. There's no there's no possibility of defense. With a diocesan right, you, you, there's, there's a way to defend yourself canonically. And so... So you was, would
0: have no reason... So if you started in, let's say, um, just random diocese, Fort Worth, Texas, let's say... Mm-hmm. Uh, and Bishop, I think it's Olson there, he could just shut you down
2: without telling you why and you would have no recourse to anyone. This has happened to, to, to a religious community that I know of uh, up in Detroit. And literally, they walked in, they were the bishop said they had a meeting with each other. Okay, they walk in, all that kind of stuff, wondering what the bishop's going to talk about. Yeah. They, they walk out suppressed, just point blank, no, no, no reason whatsoever.
0: And can they go set up shop in another diocese? Okay, so they have to leave the, but they have to leave the region.
2: Yeah. In the meantime, they have to find another bishop who will take them. Mm -hmm. Uh, And in the meantime, survive.
0: And and once you're suppressed by one bishop, it's kind of hard to go to another one because then they're going to say, "Well, what happened in Detroit, right?" Exactly. And then they're going to call Detroit and say, "What happened to these guys?" Exactly. Interesting. So, so it's even more difficult to found a community or an order uh, in
2: 2020 than in 2019. Absolutely, because I mean, the church doesn't want the traditional Latin mass, and so. Uh, when you start an order that that has it well that's what happened to my last community that was suppressed is, mm-hmm. you know I answered the bishop saw that uh, I had a devotion to the traditional Latin mass that another priest in the community had a devotion to it that he that we might attract more members and said, you know what I just don't want you guys in my diocese yeah
1: just for, for that reason
2: alone
0: yeah and uh, that and and you have no recourse Okay, so a couple other uh, lines of questions in the chat. And if you have questions, please leave them in there because I'm trying to read them and, uh, mm-hmm. and, and funnel them over to brother. Uh, but some people are asking in terms of finding your vocation, brother. Mm-hmm. Um, what, is, what, is, what is ideal? Some young men will come out of a relationship, realize I'm not called to the married life, and then default to the religious life. Other young men will say, I need to try religious life first before I explore the possibility of, um, of the married life. What do you think about either one of those, and, and is there a third option that's even better?
2: Sure. So first of all, you're really not going to take to religious life if you're not spiritual at it- Personally, ready for it if you don't have the, the self-discipline, all that kind of stuff. If you're, uh, I guess, addicted to Netflix, all that kind of stuff, and you're a, uh, a seminary or religious community where you're not allowed to watch Netflix, you're going to feel a lot of stress, interior mm-hmm. stress. You know, you have to have a certain level of detachment from uh, from worldly things in order to be able to discern properly your vocation. So, this is kind of what I was saying at the very beginning: is that our vocation first and foremost is to become a saint. And so, we need to grow in virtue uh, first
0: so that age can vary with different people then exactly cuz so, you're saying that some young men could be mature enough at the age of 18 let's say to know for sure that they have a vocation to the religious life and enter exactly. whereas others need more time to grow up
2: absolutely absolutely so
0: there's not there's not like a defined fixed age it's, oh, no. it's more it's it's dependent on the individual absolutely interesting but what about what about the girlfriend thing <laughs>
2: So I had a girlfriend before I had to really just like... <laughs> okay. Uh, is she watching right now? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but uh, my, my own experience was, that, I mean, I started dating her and had my reversion. I mm-hmm. just, you know, discovered the faith at the same time.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: As I grew in virtue, I became more and more unsettled um, because, I mean, we spent several months apart or weeks, months, all that kind of stuff because we were in college. You know, she'd go home on her visit, all that kind of stuff, and... When she was around, I, what I used the time for, to pray the, the, the Liturgy of the Hours, the Divine Office, to go to Mass more, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I found an, an incredible amount of peace there. So much so, that, I mean, I was thinking about this relationship, being honest with her, all that kind of stuff, and I realized that I couldn't be honest with myself, I couldn't be honest with her, if I first didn't answer this question, because this question of religious life just couldn't go away. Okay. Uh, so I told her I needed to take some time off um, to discern this particular question. And the more time I I realized that, you know, I wasn't seeing her and that I was finding peace and going to Mass and all that kind of stuff, I asked myself, do I want to live a life that I can't go to Mass every single day? Uh, And it was for me that I said, no, not not if I can help it. Uh, But then also I asked myself, again, the reasons. Why would I choose marriage over religious life? Marriage, you have to make all these sacrifices for your wife and your children. Religious life, you have to also make all these sacrifices. So they were pretty much equal in almost every respect in terms of self-sacrifice. Except the deal breaker for me is I realized that I would choose marriage... Uh, to gain some sort of immediate gratification from the joys of life, whereas I wouldn't choose religious life for that aspect, and so there was a comp- more for me personally something that you know this was not for me at all. Uh, it was for for love of God and for love of neighbor um, that I would be choosing this way of life. Whereas the deal breaker to choose marriage would be would be Brother Martin, would be me. Uh, and I said, well, let's try this first. How, uh, how did you
0: he- how did you hear your vocation or discern uh, in terms of like? Did, did you ever, did you have a mystical experience? Did, did Almighty God send you a dream? Or is this just, this is just, you could hear his voice gnawing at you like, hey, this is not for you, for me when you were dating the young lady who's yeah. hopefully not watching. <laughs> um, and, and how do other young men discern
2: for sure, hey, this is for me? Yeah, it's the same way, I guess, we discern whether or not uh, your, your spouse is going to be for you in the sense that, there really was no for me there was no you know, moment where i said this is for me i answered to answer a question i didn't have an an, uh, an answer to my question yet when mm. an i answered religious life i entered precisely to have a question answered and i told myself uh, that i would give it one full year because i know emotions go up and down up and down constantly you're one day you're all in you know for this the next day you're, you're so stressed out you want to leave the next day you're in for this so so let's give it a year uh, for sure um and throughout that year, I said, well, why, why does one become celibate? Is it, do, do you not get married in order to teach catechism? Like, no, but there's, there's married catechists. You know, do you not get married to teach uh, theology or, or to do ministry? But well, like, no, there's, there's married people that do all these things. So
1: mm-hmm.
2: uh, why, why be celibate? For me, the answer was pure, pure love. You, know, you give your life and your body over to someone who you're madly in love with. Mm-hmm. For me, that person was Jesus Christ. Um, and so that's what celibacy really means for me. Um, it's simply, it's an expression of my love for, for our Lord. And, and that's it. So, uh, like I said, there, w- there was really no one moment where I could say, this is, this is when I decided I would enter, or this is what I decided with my vocation. Every, every day, like in marriage, every day you persevere. Every day you wake up and say, yes, I'm doing this.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: With our baptism, every day you wake up and say, yes. Uh, and, and same with our vocation, there, there was really no one day when, when God made it known. In one sense, uh, it was a movement, I mean, as, as grace works and with our free will, uh, it was a movement of grace in my heart that made me want to love God in this particular way.
0: Let's talk a little bit about the Oblates. So you've, you're have you founding a brand new order, um, and you are using the Augustinian rule. Yep. And um, as of right now, you're in Florida, but in the future, we don't know where you'll be.
2: Yeah, so the circumstances in which I left my uh, other community, I had literally nothing. No money in my pocket, mm-hmm. absolutely nothing. And so I, I accepted the charity of a good friend of mine who would put me in a place for one to three years, no rent, all utilities paid. Mm-hmm. So I took it. As I was explaining before, um, I needed to found a non-profit in order to be able to provide fu- tax receipts for those who would, would uh, uh, donate to me. And so that's what I did. Um, in terms of being, y- in all, yeah. This was the place that my friend had, <laughs> so this is where I came.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, I didn't. Choose. I could go anywhere. It depends on the bishop who would be willing to accept me. So,
0: so you're you're in you're here in Florida right now, and I'm very honored to be visiting you. Thank you. For and I'm I'm using uh, one of the Brother Chewy mugs as well for for our m- late morning coffee. There you go. <laughs> or actually, it feels like late morning to me, uh, <laughs> but it's actually the afternoon. Is it? Oh, yeah, it is. So my question, I guess, is. To be a founder of a religious community, uh, I mean, it sounds like you have to be one part superhero because you have to be incredibly stable, incredibly disciplined to maintain the rule all by yourself at this point. Secondly, you have to be very charismatic and able to fundraise so that you can get it off the ground. Thirdly, you have to be an exceptional judge of character. As young men want to come and join you, you have to know how to weed out the bad ones, yep. especially the ones with the, uh, with the shall we say, hidden, uh, uh, hidden deformations, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and deviations, and then um, and then you have to be organizationally adept as well. You have to do all this paperwork. You have to establish this nonprofit. You have to write tax letters. You have to be organized and do the accounting. Um, that's asking a lot, right? Thanks, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a lot on your shoulders. How yeah, do you
2: have time for interviews? Uh, to, to be honest, well, yeah, I make the time. but God, God provides the time, you know? Uh-huh. Um, for me, my, my own personal background, I have a degree in organizational leadership, so in some sense I have, uh, you know, I have taken classes in accounting and all that kind of stuff, business classes, so that helps on, on the more practical side of things. Cause they don't really teach you that kind of stuff in seminary. Uh-huh. Uh, in terms of judgment of character, I mean, I've been in religious life uh, eight years now. Um, in two communities where, I mean, new communities, there's usually one bad apple in, in, in these communities. And uh, in both of those communities, I've, I've learned a lot in how to see, how to read, um, these, predict these bad apples. How, why, why do communities fail? Is it, is it
0: because of bad apples? Oh, pride.
2: Um, usually, there's, usually there's one guy, and also depends on, on, the, on the hierarchy or whatever involved mm-hmm. as well, but usually there's one guy who wants things his way. He's mm-hmm. convinced because th- he prays so much that God is telling him that it should be this way and he needs to have, you know, make everybody agree with him. He can't make everybody agree with him and things happen organically and so he, he appeals to the hierarchy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he goes to the local bishop or he goes to this, you know, uh, whatever, the pope's su- superior, whatever, uh, and tries to force it by rule downward, you know, hierarchically. How do you think the Oblates can survive in
0: 2020 in light of the um, motu proprio, and, you know, are you at some point going to have to get the endorsement of some bishop in the United States?
2: And once, I, I don't know if, 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 obviously, one wants the endorsement of a bishop, one wants a canonical status, all this kind of stuff, but there have been communities that have bounced from bishop to bishop to bishop to bishop to bishop, and all, all the in-betweens, uh, mm-hmm. they've not had canonical status. Uh, and so when a community is, is so young, you just get a, guys, a bunch of guys together who want to pray, who want to live this life, and you just persevere together. Uh, and so in one sense, it's a testimony to, to the will of God, how, how a group of young men can band together and uh, keep their prayer life, keep their religious life, um, while all this uh, administrative work, you know, yeah. always work your way Yeah. Uh, for one reason yeah. or another. I,
0: I, got, I got to witness you guys uh, praying the office this morning um, and chanting it. This is so, this is essentially the heart of what you seek to do, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, is to give glory to God in the liturgy of the office.
2: Yeah, absolutely. But why is that so controversial? I don't I don't know. And in my previous two communities, that that was precisely what was controversial: is that I, I did that I used the, the traditional Divine Office, the 1962 Office, mm-hmm. privately in my room, and it was this that like, got me in trouble with my superiors is when well, they, when they found the books, they were like. This can't happen here. Um, I don't know why we pray. We, we give our lives to our Lord. Um, hopefully, our chants are pleasing to Him. Um, I don't have a singing voice, but it is what it is. Um, but this is ultimately what we want to do, is just pray and, and offer our lives. And, and I, yeah, I don't understand why it's so controversial to some people. I
0: mean, I mean m- married people, and this is a good point in the chat, married people can pray the office at home every day. They can so pray it as a couple as a family they can pray it as an individual in their houses and the bishop cannot tell you not to the bishop cannot reach down into mr rtf's house here uh and tell and tell mike and mrs rtf you can't pray the divine office in your house right but for you when you were in kansas city kansas uh the archbishop could reach all the way down and touch you and say you cannot pray that in your room right I mean
2: it wasn't so much that he said you know took out the book from my hand but he said you can't do it here and so he's like not in my archdiocese exactly I don't
0: want I don't want you chanting the divine office in my archdiocese I still I go back to
2: the question why is that controversial it's a mystery to me to me it's beautiful it's what inspires me to live my vocation I don't know why anybody would want to take it away from me because this is the heart of what you seek to do exactly and this is is the heart of of the Christian life it's to sing God's praises uh, you know, and, and imitate our Lord and, and reciting the Psalms. I don't know. You're reciting the
0: Psalms in chant in your chapel, and this is, and and you have to bounce around the country and find someone who will who will help, and you have to find benefactors, and you have to pray that you can find a a bishop who will take you in, just so that you can sit in a chapel and pray the Psalms.
2: Exactly. I mean, I I, I think sometimes in the morning it's like, how, how, how is this sinful? What am I doing wrong yeah. you know, for people to attack me or whatever else it's like i'm just sitting here praying these prayers that the church has given us to pray i've given up everything i gave up my girlfriend you know when i entered religious life I've given up my job my career i was a professional guitar player in nashville before i entered religious life uh, i gave up everything I, you know i'm here poor i don't have even up a water heater here to, to take warm showers you know it's like how are people ca- you know whatever <laughs> i ain't going around right, but right right how, how is how is how is this wrong how is this sinful? why doesn't anybody accept this you know
0: okay uh d- A a few more questions just about the Oblates. So your plan for the Oblates is to grow to how many people?
2: It's a good question. Right now, uh, today, I'm more concerned about uh, at least five guys that are solid, no bad apples, Mm -hmm. well-formed, traditional, hearts of gold, want want to give their lives to Christ. Five solid guys. Mm -hmm. Uh, After that, each house of the Oblates, I could see having 10 to 12 men before starting a new house. One thing that's great about the the will of St. Augustine is it's very malleable in terms of apostolates. Um, and so one, one this is the way it was for the order of St. Augustine as well, each monastery had its own thing. Uh, some were very strong contemplatives, had farms, uh, raised cattle, raised sheep, um, had barrels of hay, all that kind of stuff. Uh, others were in the city, taught at schools, taught at universities, all that kind of stuff, so it's very malleable. So. You know, I'm open to this community becoming as big as, as, as God wants it to be.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, but for me, I think I, I really, my, my main goal is to see five solid guys here praying the divine office with me and, and trying to become saints with me.
0: Now clearly you'll need at least one priest in each house so yeah. you can have daily mass. And you, and you presently have that. Mm-hmm. Um, what's your plan in the future?
2: If we don't have a priest, honestly, we could just go to the local parish um, if we need to. If a bishop uh, accepts us and wants to ordain us, then fine. Uh, We'll go that route as well. But, I mean, I'm not concerned about being deprived of the sacraments in that sense. Mm -hmm. Um,
0: And what's your message to uh, twofold? I I want you to speak first to potential donors and benefactors. mm -hmm. Explain to them why uh, they're—first of all, we have a duty— lay people to tithe to the church. We have a duty to support the needs of Holy Mother Church. It's one of the six precepts of the church. Now, I personally cannot bring myself to support my local bishop or Peter's Pence or any of the garbage that gets ruined by these people. So I find other ways to support the needs of Holy Mother Church. This could be a great way to do that. Uh, so can you direct people a, you know, to your website, how to give to you, why they would want to give to you, and um, and just sort of fill in anything else that I should have asked about the vision of that, and then and then after that we'll we'll speak directly to the young men who are watching, who want to join your community and what they should be thinking
2: about. Sure. So first, the Saint and why was it found? Why was it founded? In this in this time of theological and moral crisis in the church, theological. I mean, we've got uh, people promoting homo- homosexuality in the church. You know, saying that gay unions are all right. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's theologically, morally, I mean, all the, all the sex scandals, cover-ups, all that kind of stuff. What, what is a young man like myself with a vocation? What am I supposed to respond to? How am I supposed to respond? The way I've chosen to respond is to start a, a monastery where a young men can join, uh, learn uh, the tra- traditional theology the traditional Catholic faith, mm-hmm. um, and, and try to strive to become saints, pray, um, the divine office together, daily meditation, uh, two half-hours a day, uh, and uh, uh, the office of Sirona, which is uh, an Augustinian office, so really dedicate their, their lives to prayer. And then uh, if they have time for, for apostolic ministry to do that too, to share their faith with others. Um, so that's why uh, the Oblates of St. Augustine um, was founded. In terms of, uh, of benefactors, uh, our website is oblatesofstaugustine.com. Mm-hmm. Um, St. With dot o- O-B-L-A-T-S-O-F-S-T-A-U-G-U-S-T-I-N-E.com. There right at the very front page is, is, a, is a PayPal to donate. Um, or you can use the contact form to, to ask me what our address is. Is that tax-deductible? It is tax-deductible.
0: Okay, and I'll, I'll link to that in the show notes as well
2: dot com. Yeah, so, uh, as far as young men, um, I'm on Twitter. You can contact me through the contact form that goes right to my email. Uh, and just a- ask me questions. I mean, e- even if, if you're just discerning religious life in general, I'd love to ask you, answer your questions. You can set up a Zoom meeting, uh, Skype, whatever you have, uh, to just talk things out and talk things through because I know that for me, itself, it was, it was a year-long process, and it helped to have other people with experience to, to help me discern. Um, and so I'd be more than willing to do that, even if you don't choose a place of San Now,
0: you're, you're in touch with a whole number of young men around the country and even
2: around the world who are asking questions of you. How do yeah. you find time for all that? God makes time. He's, he's the Lord and Master of Time. Uh, I just do it, and I also have my work here. I, I study philosophy as well. Uh, I don't know grace i guess mm-hmm. but there's, there's time for everything that's necessary
0: and you, young men who would, would consider joining you can either save up some money before they come uh because you know this is yeah, this is not a luxury resort in florida no, that we're staying at not. um but uh so they can either bring some money with them or they can even better yet bring some benefactors along with them as well
2: absolutely um so you can save up as much money as you can because you have to support yourself I and mean, we have a uh, money to support you for at least a, a year, mm-hmm. so you can save up your uh, as much money as you can, sell your car, whatever. Um, but then also, I mean, I'm sure you have family and friends and other people at your parishes that would be more than willing to support a vocation. Um, so you can talk to them, have meetings with them, tell them what you're trying to do, introduce them to the Oblates of St. Augustine. I'd be willing to talk to some potential benefactors for you, and we can get people to, to donate specifically to you to help you help you along your way mm-hmm. uh, in, your, in your vocational discernment. Um,
0: I think what we'll do is we'll just see if there are any other questions uh, on the live stream. Uh, the, the the comments have continued to scroll, and I've lost track of a lot of them. Um, but some of these folks here do have questions. White Chocolate Bear, I definitely want you to get in touch with Brother. Uh, I think this is something that you should consider, uh, and I just say that because we're in touch with each other, and you should talk to Brother. Um, there are some folks here who are wondering about how to support Brother Martin and your community. So I'll link to that uh, at the conclusion of this in the show notes. But uh, what was the website again?
2: dot
0: com. So you can go there. It is tax deductible. Um, Philip James asks Brother, for those considering vocations, it's obviously important to maintain good. Oh, it's scrolling. Sorry. This is what happens when you try to run everything. I feel like this was going to be a good question, too. It's obviously important to maintain good and healthy spiritual habits. What would you say helps to move the soul in that this direction of good and healthy
2: spiritual habits? Grace. <laughs> uh, I mean, we, we can do no good except uh, the, the good that God moves us to do. Uh, every, every, every work always begins with Him. Um, yeah, I mean, to be honest, I, I don't know why I am where I am from the beginning. I mean, the life I lived beforehand... Uh, I I just had a reversion, mm-hmm. um, but I think for me, it was, it was the most important question is if, if God exists, it's the most, most important thing. If he doesn't, it's the, it's the least important thing, mm-hmm. and so the, the, the search for truth that I had ultimately led me, one, to natural theology, all that kind of stuff. I discovered C.S. Lewis, um, but I don't know. It, it, it really is a movement of grace.
1: hmm
0: um, you've got some people asking some questions that were already answered in the video, so I would encourage you to go back and watch it. But some of those answers that we've already covered are whether or not there will be uh, priests within the community and whether or not that's necessary. Um, uh, somebody's asking how old you are. Yeah, 29. Uh, 29 years old. Okay, so you're almost the perfect age, almost <laughs> 33, uh, coming up on it. Um, uh, let's see, what else do we have here on the yeah, is the community planning to have men ordained to the priesthood? You can go back, Emmanuel, and, and check that answer. And um, I think that's it. So I, I, I appreciate your time, brother. Thank Martin. you, Mike.
2: Thanks for coming all the way down here to Florida.
0: Yep, yep, yep. Uh, this will not be the only uh, time that you hear from us, I I, I think, yeah. the two of us, while I'm here. And uh, thanks for bearing with us on the on the AV and uh, and quality issues with the pipe, uh, the the internet pipe, but um, we're doing what we can. So uh, questions answered, we're going to sign off here. Pray for Brother Martin and check out the website, give, give, give if you can and uh, take that tax-free donation. We're coming up on the end of the year and a lot of people like to give big Christmas gifts at the end of the year. You want your 2020 taxes to reflect your uh, your charitable giving. So consider giving to... Uh... Oh, okay, fine. Quick unpopular opinion. The Derpster is asking for a quick unpopular opinion. Do you want to give a quick unpopular opinion? I, I have to think of one. I wasn't ready
2: yet. You weren't ready?
0: <laughs> um, let's opinion. see. Quick unpopular opinion. Uh, well, we're having Thanksgiving together. Yes. So my unpopular opinion, and I don't think that this is terribly unpopular, is that I don't give a hoot what any of these state-level or, or county-level people are telling us that we can, can or can't do for Thanksgiving. We're going to have more than 10 people, if possible, and, uh, and we're gonna, we might even live stream it. <laughs> we might even live stream Thanksgiving here. From Florida, in the underground bunker where Brother is currently holed up. This is not, like I said, this is not a, uh, a resort community. He takes cold showers, this man does. I think he <laughs> sleeps on the floor, too. Get, can we get this man a bed? Can you please donate to the Oblates of St. Augustine? Uh, but no, I'm not, I, I'm not listening to secular authorities when it comes to uh, how to celebrate Thanksgiving. And uh, when it comes to ecclesiastical authorities, I'm not going to listen to them, too, when they tell you you can't pray the office and chant it in Latin. If you, if, if that's your position, Your Excellency, I'm sorry, I'm out, I'm, I'm subscribed from you. Did I steal your unpopular
2: opinion? No, but I was thinking along you know, Thanksgiving, all that kind of stuff, and I think my yeah. unpopular opinion is that pizza is a perfectly acceptable thing No, food
0: for no, you did, you <laughs> tweeted that, what is I wrong did. with you? <laughs> Somebody asked on Twitter, what is, Brother Martin, what is your favorite Thanksgiving site? And the guy says, pizza. <laughs> it's
2: delicious, molto <laughs> bene.
0: Oh my gosh. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Alright, well, uh, I think I think that's I think that's pretty unpopular. Yeah. yeah. We'll we'll put up a poll. Who's whose opinion was more unpopular? Mike's about not listening to uh, to bishops who tell you you can't pray in Latin, or Brother Martin's that he likes pizza pizza with Thanksgiving. God bless you guys. Thanks for watching. Take care.
1: And it got really hot in here. <laughs>